What's up, gifted family? Welcome to another episode of the show that is the GP YouTube. Just a reminder that if you support what we do here, make sure to go over to giftedperformance.com and sign up for our automated coaching service. For only a dollar a day, you'll get access to 15 highly customized training programs, a macronutrient calculator, our meal planning feature that lets you build and save meals based on your macros, as well as access to our private Facebook group. All subscriptions help us in continuing to put out great content to get you to your fitness goals. Thanks for stopping by, and without any further delay, let's get into today's video. Enjoy. We are back, episode two of Nutritional Considerations and Body Weight for your fitness-based sport. So if you missed part one, let's say you weren't really interested in bodybuilding, it's not your cup OT, at least go back and watch the introduction to that one just to kind of see what this series is all about. Today we are going to be talking about powerlifting and weightlifting, a little bit of a crossover in terms of some of the nutritional priorities there because these are two very strict weight class restricted sports. So we're gonna start off by talking about powerlifting. The first thing that we need to discuss is the actual federations. So we've got our tested and our untested federation. So our tested federations would be things like the USAPL and the IPF. In those divisions, they use a two-hour weigh-in process. And we're gonna talk about why that's really important when we start talking about rehydration, reconstitution, and what you need to eat slash drink after your weigh-in is done. A two-hour weigh-in basically means that two hours prior to competition, you need to be on point with what your weight is. Some meets will give you an hour to hit that. Some meets will give you two hours to hit that. It really depends on the actual meet, but you have that two-hour window to be on your weight for that day. That means if you show up and you're a little bit over, you do have some time to kind of use some strategies that we'll talk about a little bit later to get down to your weight. So what are the actual weight classes? For the men's side, we've got the 53 kilo. That's more of a junior and teen division. 59, 66, 74, 83, 93, 105, 120, and over 120. On the women's side, their junior and teen divi only division is 43, and then they've got the rest of the divisions as well. 47, 52, 57, 63, 72, 84, and 84 plus, or over 84 kilos. Now on the USPA side, the untested federation for powerlifting, they utilize what's called a 24-hour weigh-in, meaning that 24 hours leading up to the meet, so leading up to 24 hours before you step on the platform, you have that entire window to get down to the required body weight. Ideally, you would like to be on body weight as close to that 24-hour mark as you possibly can, so you have that entire window to rehydrate, eat, etc., but know that you can utilize that entire one-day window to get on weight. Um, the weight classes on the USPA side are 52 kilos, 56, 60, 67 and a half, 75, 82 and a half, 90, 100, 110, and the big boys, 125, 140, and over 140 kilos. Women's side, 44, 48, 52, 56, 60, 67 and a half, 75, 82 and a half, 90, 
and the 90 kilo plus. So those are your weight classes and the weigh-in restrictions based on the federations. Now, getting into some of our in-season meet prep strategies. You've got your powerlifting meet planned. You're all signed up. You and your coach are ready to rock. What do we need to do to get you to your body weight to meet your weight class requirement? Well, first off, we need to start with our needs analysis, much like we did with our bodybuilders. We need to see what is our current body weight and what's our current percent body fat. The reason why you want to know percent body fat in powerlifting, because you think maybe powerlifting, it's not really a body fat kind of thing, but if you have an athlete who's already extremely lean, they're, they're pushing into very lean territory where any decreases in body fat from that point moving forward may decrease training quality, it's a good idea to reconsider the weight class you want to get to. So let's say you, you want to compete as a 198 you're untested, you want to be in the 90 kilo class for men, and you are, you know, 210 pounds, and you're a male, and you're 8% body fat, do you really think that you can lose another 12 pounds of body fat without it impairing your performance? Or even more, do you want to depend on your water cut to get you down 12 pounds? It might be a better idea to sit down with your coach and just talk about the necessary steps to move up to the 100 kilo or the 220 pound division instead of worrying about cutting down. I think people are really too focused on cutting down to compete in lower weight classes and, and less concerned, even though they should be more concerned, with actually growing into another weight class as their career progresses. After looking at body weight and body fat percentage, you want to look at the proximity to next competition. So how far are we out from the meet? Do we have enough time to actually get our body weight down to where it needs to be? So let's say you pick a meet and it's in eight weeks and you've got 30 pounds to go. Is that a safe rate of weight loss where you know for a fact that you can preserve performance and still be at your best throughout your training cycle and on game day? Probably not. That's a rate of weight loss that's going to exceed what is actually going to benefit you in the long term. Training quality will suffer and you'll show up as, an, as a zombie or a corpse on game day. Also want to look at the individual's current training, nutrition, and physical activity. So are there modifications that we make? Is there wiggle room to get the body weight down to where it needs to be? Because if you have to lose 10 pounds, but you're only training twice a week, your step count is very low, your nutrition's not really in check, then there are some big boxes that we can check there to get some pretty large magnitude changes from the start in terms of manipulating your body weight. Now, you'll see that this rule remains true across to weightlifting as well, powerlifting, weightlifting. What we like to say at Gifted Performance is that you should train anywhere from 2 to 10% over your competition body weight. Know that the higher you train over your competition body weight, the closer you get to 10, 12, even 15% over your competition body weight, the more your performance is likely to suffer as the cut goes along. Greater magnitude of body weight change, greater um, perturbations to your actual training quality. Powerlifting, weightlifting, they're both training quality driven. You need to move the weight kind of sports, so don't let your body weight changes get in the way of your actual training quality. 
And that kind of gets into our next point here, and that is that with powerlifting, with weightlifting, there are performance considerations. In a sport like bodybuilding, our previous, like yes, you have to get up there and pose. Yes, you have to be coherent enough to actually, you know, do what the judges say and get into the specific positions, hold those positions for anywhere from 30 to 60 seconds. But you can pretty much just kind of throw a little bit of water, throw a little bit of food into a bodybuilder, throw them into kind of like a wheelbarrow, wheel them up on stage, put them up there, get them standing, and they can still win the show being, I don't even know, 20% alive. Whereas with powerlifting and with weightlifting, there are performance considerations that have to be met. You need to be able to perform at your best and also be on body weight. So if the changes that you're making to body weight are taking away from performance on game day and you're totaling significantly lower than what you should be able to, it's a good time to sit down, have a conversation with either yourself or your coach about maybe moving up a weight class. Um, so you can't severely compromise things like hydration, body weight, and body fat and still expect performance to be where it needs to be. This is especially true with your two-hour weigh-ins, a little less true with your 24-hour weigh-ins. So people tend to get a little crazier with the 24-hour weigh-ins, try and lose 10, 12, 15 pounds of water. There are stories of Dan Green here, our picture example of him losing something like 20 pounds, 30 pounds in the week before competition. Um, at Gifted Performance, we are just not comfortable with that. Those large manipulations in body weight, the risk to reward ratio if you're not competing at the world's international, national level is just too low. So don't drop 20 pounds of water to place third at your local high school meet. You do still want to trial some mini cuts and some water manipulation with mock meets as you lead into competition. So if you're relatively new to powerlifting, you're relatively new to you know cutting a good amount of body weight, cutting a good amount of body water before lifting, it would be a good idea to talk with your coach about maybe trialing some of this stuff up, doing you know like pseudo peaks, mock meets with some sort of manipulations to your nutrition and hydration to see how well you perform and how much you can actually manage. When you are sitting down to reverse engineer a meat prep, it's always important to start with the end in mind. So you always want to look at your ending body weight. So whatever your ending body, your ending body weight is going to be whatever your competition weight is plus the water that you that you plan on losing. So it's before your water cut. So to get this, you want to take your starting body or your ending body weight minus your starting body weight divided by weeks out, and that's going to give you your weekly rate of loss. Gave you guys an example here for someone who competes at 93 kilos. Let's say they walk around at 100 kilos and they plan on cutting a kilo of water. So 94 kilos, competition weight plus that one kilo that we're going to lose in water weight minus the 100 divided by 12. We know that we have to lose somewhere around a half kilo or around 1.1 pounds per week. From there, you know, okay, I've got how much weight I need to lose per week. Ideally, we're going to be losing body fat. Remember, contractile tissue is what moves weight, so we won't still want to put a premium on holding as much muscle mass as possible. So we're trying to lose somewhere around 1.1 pounds per week of body fat. Multiply that by 3,500, and we've got something like 38.50 being our weekly deficit. Change that into a daily deficit by dividing by 7, and now you've got your starting calories. With your starting calories, then you can kind of get into 
starting with your protein intake, somewhere around one gram per pound is always a good starting point. Some people like to go a little bit higher, some people like to go a little bit lower, so make sure you're factoring in client preferences. And then the macro split is gonna be a little bit different than someone like a bodybuilder or a crossfitter. Bodybuilding, crossfitting, significantly higher volume of training. Powerlifters will tell you they do this this large amount of training because they're in the gym for three hours a day, but they're really not doing an absorbent amount of volume because they're really working with low repetition counts and a lot of rest in between sets. So powerlifting and weightlifting for that matter are two sports that aren't super glycogen dependent. So if you've got an athlete who prefers a higher fat diet as opposed to a higher carbohydrate diet, both weightlifting and powerlifting are sports where that's gonna be completely fine and they can get away with it without seeing any detriment to performance. Now, when you as the coach are making your weekly or your bi-weekly changes, it's just like in bodybuilding. You wanna keep the magnitude as small as possible for as long as possible when you're making your changes. Use your minimum effective dose uh, principle. Make three, maybe 5% cuts to calories at a time, increase physical activity via, maybe they wanna do cardio, maybe they wanna do a step count by small amounts at a time, track the changes over weeks, not days, and then make your changes accordingly. Keep an eye on that scale, but you don't wanna ignore the pictures as well. There's a really good example here of, of Steffi Cohen before and after a cut for a powerlifting meet. You can see in the after picture, there might be a little bit of a change of lighting, a little bit of a change of the angle, but she looks just as muscular, if not more muscular in the after photo when she actually weighs less than she does in that before photo. That's because in powerlifting, we still do put a premium on how much muscle mass we can retain over the course of a diet. So we, do, we don't wanna see you shrivel up and wither away over the course of your diet. Supplements are gonna be very similar to those that we're gonna use in bodybuilding. You're gonna cover your bases, your multivitamin, a fish oil if you're not consuming a lot of, of fish throughout the week, uh, creatine monohydrate, um, whey protein if you're struggling with getting enough protein in, casein protein by the same accord, um, your caffeines, your pre-workout supplements, things like that. Outside of that, those would be in the tested realm. When we get into the untested realm, that's a whole other presentation, a whole different, and, and we'll let Paul handle something like that. For nutrient timing, um, with powerlifting, like we said, being a lower volume sport, nutrient timing isn't super hard. You do wanna pay attention to nutrient timing as the cut goes along, because as calories get lower, it's important to kind of arrange them in a manner that, that maximizes training quality. Keep an eye on recovery as well. Recovery over the course of a diet. As long as you're checking your boxes in terms of your protein, if you find that you're under recovering, it's probably one of the other things aside from nutrition. Um, it's probably sleep, it may be your actual training program, or kind of how well you're managing stress over the course of your diet. When you get into talking about water manipulations, we plan on cutting any anywhere from one to 5% of your body weight. Excuse my dogs as they go absolutely insane. Um, so one to 5% of body weight. So closer to 1% is gonna be better if you are using something like a two hour weigh-in. If you're using something like a 24 hour weigh-in, then you know you can get away with something like a 5% body weight cut. 
the larger the magnitude of the water manipulation, the greater the chance that you're going to have a decrease in the quality of your performance. So just keep that in mind. Another thing to always keep in the back of your mind is the size of the actual competition. Is this your first time competing? Then why are you worrying about water manipulations? Are we training for worlds? Then heck yes, we want to get your body weight as low as possible so that we can get you the highest Wilk score, IPF points, whatever the hell it's called now. So moving on to how we're going to actually execute the peak and the water cutting process. Water cutting process is a six stage approach. We're going to manipulate your carbohydrates, your sodium intake, electrolytes, your actual physical water intake, food weight, gastric volume. A lot of people forget about that, how much food is actually sitting in your stomach, some supplements or special strategies, and then the sweating or the sauna aspect of it. So when we talk about carbohydrate intake, at five to seven days out, you should really be consuming your normal high carbohydrate training day macros. As we get closer, four to five days out, we wanna cut carbs by 50 to 75%. At five days out, I like to make a 50% cut. And then at four days out, I like to make a 50% cut from there. After that four day out mark, we wanna cut carbohydrates to basically zero. So remove all starchy carbohydrates, fruits. The only carbohydrates that you're gonna be consuming are gonna be things from like vegetables. So we're absolutely minimal until weigh-in. That, what that's gonna do is gonna reduce the glycogen content of the muscle. And remember that glycogen for each gram of glycogen pulls three grams of water into the muscle with it. So you're also gonna lose that water weight. So this is very similar to what happens when people start on a ketogenic diet. They see this very large reduction in weight a lot of that being water weight. Powerlifters can get the same thing on their way to weigh-in. I've noticed anything from a one to 3% weight reduction in, with just manipulating carbohydrates. Sodium and electrolytes, another one that we can manipulate. Sodium, just like carbohydrate, draws water. So water follows sodium. Higher sodium intake, higher water uh, retention going on. So at four to seven days out, you can either take one of two strategies. You can just have your normal sodium intake, or you can actually load it up to five grams. So just keep an eye on your normal sodium intake, and you can either match that or increase it a little bit if you want to maybe push the water retention a little bit more, and then hope for that kind of reciprocal dip back down when you reduce sodium. So at four days out, you're going no additional sodium in the diet, shooting for somewhere around 1 to 1.5, so 1,000 to 1,500 milligrams of sodium a day. On the water side of things, four to seven days out, we're gonna start water loading. So two gallons or somewhere around one to 1.5 ounces per pound of body weight. At three days out, you're gonna cut that water intake by 50%. Two days out, you're gonna do another 50% water reduction. What happens there is we start to increase the hormones that flush water out of the system by drastically increasing the water. So we're flushing, flushing, flushing. And by the time the body has actually had a chance to catch up, we're still flushing out residual water and your weight really starts to drop off as you retain less and less water. 
on the day of the competition, whenever you're actually weighing in, you wanna wake up in the morning and have zero water until you're weighed in. Can you have a couple sips? Yes, of course, as long as you are not super, super close to your weigh-in weight. So zero water until weighed in. What you'll find out is you'll still be urinating. That urine color will still be clear, maybe a little bit darker than when you were super, super hydrated, but it's still, still flushing out at a good pace. That way you know that weight is coming down, down, down. After you've weighed in, it's important not to just flood yourself with a ton of water. Start with something like 32 ounces of water, maybe like a Powerade, Gatorade, something with electrolytes in it, maybe a Pedialyte, something like that. And then from there, go by thirst. Use your thirst mechanism. Remember that thirst mechanism kicks on anywhere from like 1% to 3% dehydration status. And those dehydration statuses are not enough to, or, or usually, we'll say usually, aren't enough to to affect performance so you should still be good to go even if you're a little bit thirsty so just kind of drink by thirst from there manipulating food weight gastric volume how much food is is in the gut when you are weighed in the goal here is we're just trying to keep food residue minimal and how do we do that we can do that with liquid meals so by you know having a, a shake of of protein powder, water, and some sort of carbohydrate solution if you can still have carbohydrates at this point. So at four to five days out, we're switching over to one liquid meal, three days out, um, increasing that to two. At two days out, if you're really trying to drop a lot of weight, all of your meals are liquid at this point. So you're just going pure shakes, pure liquids at this point. You weigh in, you resume, and I wanna make a point here, you resume normal food intake. You do not go to IHOP, Denny's, whatever it is, and cram in as much food as you possibly can after a 12-week long diet. You are going to have a booty blowout if that's the case. We don't want booty blowouts on the platform. That's not helpful. Shitting your pants while deadlifting does not improve performance. Confirmed, don't need to check the research on that one. When we talk about getting even further into this, now we're going sauna, we're going supplements, we're going special strategies. Was that an alliteration? Yes, it was. Was it intentional? No, it was not. Um, things like magnesium citrate as a laxative, that'll get, that'll get things moving. Uh, caffeine, the diuretic effect of caffeine to flush out any additional water or over-the-counter diuretics, things like dandelion root three days out up to weigh-in um, if you are you wake up the morning of your weigh-in and you're still over you can start with candy and spitting so i've heard some people say they like to use mentos i'm more in the camp of something sour so if we can all just kind of close our eyes here and imagine putting a bunch of warheads in your mouth your mouth is already watering so that works in my opinion, a lot better. The really sour stimulates a lot of saliva production, but instead of swallowing that saliva, you're going to spit it up in an attempt to lose additional water weight. Kind of sounds like a crazy strategy, but if you've ever done it before, you know it works very well. Where are my wrestlers at? Sauna, another strategy. We can start at two days out and weigh in day. So like the night before, you can do some sauna. Just make sure you're somewhere close. You don't have to be exactly on weight the night before. So get within a half kilo to a kilo of your body weight for competition. 
understanding that overnight your body is going to lose water weight. You're going to urinate. You're going to wake up in the middle of the night to urinate. You are still going to be sweating a little bit while you sleep and breathing out water vapor. So you will still lose some water weight while you're sleeping. If you wake up and you are still over by a considerable amount, you can either, um, if you're in a hotel room, block off the door, turn the shower on, maximum heat, use that as a steam room. They do make portable saunas, or you can use the Squat Father approved car sauna. Go in your car, throw some sweaters on, crank that heat to maximum, and get the water off that way. So to make sure that you're going to be safe, erring on the side of safety with sauna, you want to do about 15 minutes in, ice packs to bring down your core temperature. So for your sweat response to kick back on, your core temperature needs to come down. Remember, the sweat mechanism is a way for your body to cool itself. So it's not going to shut down and then come back on until your body has cooled and then the temperature goes back up. So you wanna hop out of the sauna, put ice packs on, measure your core temperature, make sure it's back to normal, and then you can go back in the sauna. And what you'll notice is that sweat kicks right back on and you're losing water very quickly again. So I do like these charts right here. They're very, very good explanations of kind of what to do with your water, your sodium, glycogen, food weight, supplements, and sauna. So everything that I just went through was for a 24-hour weigh-in. You can see kind of the, the, the small uh, deviations to that in the two-hour weigh-in. The biggest change for the two-hour weigh-in is the magnitude of weight that you can lose and expect to reconstitute, rehydrate, um, eat food, and then perform well again. So just take that balance there. Understand that if you are doing a two-hour weigh-in and you're coming from a 24-hour weigh-in, you simply just cannot lose as much and and are able to or get back to that point where you can perform at your best again. So kind of the, some of the differences here with hydration, the two hour weigh-in, 32 ounces after weigh-in and then drink based on thirst as the day goes along because you're gonna have that two hour weigh-in, you're gonna drink your 32 ounces, two hours is gonna go by, you're gonna be sipping, sipping, and then you're gonna have to get up on the platform and perform. You're gonna have to put your belt on and strap that bitch on tight and you don't want to have that really big belly, that water pregnancy is what I call it, to where when you put your belt on, you crank your lever belt and it's on and you're vomiting. Again, not gonna help with performance. With 24-hour weigh-ins, 32 ounces again after weigh-in, and then drink normally for the rest of the day. Hydration needs are going to depend on the magnitude of the water cut. The greater the magnitude of the water cut, the more urgent and the more um, drastic the rehydration strategies need to be. You see it all over Instagram with these 24-hour weigh-ins, guys and going and getting IVs afterward. It's a little extreme in my opinion, but sometimes that can be necessary if that's, as far, if that's kind of how far you want to take it. For sodium, in the two-hour weigh-in, I usually just tell my athletes to, to bring something very salty with them, like a bag of Lay's potato chips for after they weigh in. Um, it's pretty low residue food, low fiber food, very high sodium. Get something around one to one and a half grams in post in, in that post weigh-in meal. 24-hour weigh-in, you want to shoot for somewhere around half a gram to one gram of sodium with each meal post weigh-in. So we're resuming kind of our normal eating patterns. For carbohydrates with the two-hour weigh-in, low GI volume, so low gastrointestinal volume foods. Um, don't you know? Hop off the 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 scale and have like uh, 
chicken, broccoli, and sweet potato because that's going to be sitting in there heavy. Go for something that's going to be small, not super voluminous, but make sure it's carbohydrate heavy. Liquids are a good strategy here. Uh, for the 24-hour weigh-in, just resume your normal carbohydrate intake for that day. Uh, maybe take it up to like a refeed quantity of carbohydrate. With gastric volume, again, just very similar to the carbohydrate section here, the two-hour weigh-in, you want to avoid a huge bolus of food post-weigh-in because of that uncomfortable feeling and kind of how it can throw off performance. Um, and then with the 24-hour weigh-in, you're just going to go back to normal food. So it's a good idea to kind of just bring your normal day of food with you in, in Tupperwares or, you know, go out to eat with your family, friends that are there supporting you and just, just get a normal meal. It's, it's, not, it's not an opportunity to completely binge and gorge yourself and make yourself sick for the next day. Your supplements, again, we should be as normal. We're not trying to change anything. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel the day of the meat or the day before the meat. So your normal workout supplements. So you take your creatine, take your pre-workout if that's what you usually go with, but this is not the time to throw a bunch of new things at your body. Transitioning over to kind of some off-season or some GPP nutritional strategies for your bodybuilders. Again, you still want to start with a needs analysis. So current body weight, body fat, proximity to your competition, body weight. So when are you doing your next competition? One, and what body weight are we competing at in your next competition? If you've got an athlete who's, who made way in for their previous meet, but they've still got a pretty large amount of body fat, they may be able to actually get down to a different body weight or a different weight class and perform better, score better, have a higher Wilk score, IPF points, whatever the fuck they go by now. If you're going up a weight class, you need to make the appropriate adjustments. So remember that two to 10% rule, whether you're going up, whether you're going down, try to avoid being outside of that two to 10% range of the competition body weight. With macronutrients, again, it's gonna depend on the direction that we're going. So are we going up? How do we make sure that we're in a productive surplus? Are we going down? How do we go from you know, our old meat prep diet into a GPP where our volume, our training might be going up, we might be transitioning, doing a little bit more work? How do we still make sure the training quality is good, but we're still in a deficit, so we're heading towards that new competition body weight? The progress hierarchy for a powerlifter is performance over everything. How is it going in the gym? If training quality is tanking, then you need to make modifications to nutrition. I don't care if body weight is tracking correctly. If you're not performing well, you're not hitting your squats, you're missing benches, you're getting absolutely just destroyed on deadlifts, you need to make some modifications to make sure that training performance remains constant. Use the mirror and use scale weight as well. Some smaller details, again, the supplement's not gonna change much. Um, if you do have someone who's going up a weight class and they really struggle with getting in the amount of food that they need, then it's a good idea maybe to get in some supplemental forms of carbohydrates, some powdered carbohydrates, maybe some weight gainer protein shakes, things like that that are very easy, high calorie, low gastric volume foods for those that consider themselves hard gainers nutrient timing. Um, as the volume of training goes up, it might be a better idea to put more of that bolus of carbohydrates, energy, calories around training. might also help with recovery. Um, 
keep an eye on the quality of life. Is the food so low that the person just isn't enjoying the training process or life as a whole with you know powerlifting or weightlifting being their focus? So keep an eye on that. Make sure things are still fun, still enjoyable at the end of the day. And then things like mini cuts. So if you are going up a weight class and you notice that maybe your rate of gain is exceeding what it should be, you said, oh, we want to gain a quarter of a pound a week and you've been gaining a pound a week for you know 10 12 weeks you've really exceeded your rate of gain and there's a preponderance of that gain has been from body fat then it might be time for something like a mini cut to kind of clean that up make sure training stays good and then continue on with that massing period so that pretty much squares away powerlifting. And as we get into weightlifting, you're going to notice that there's a lot of similarities here. So just going over kind of the, the, the two main organizations here, we have the USAW, recording from the USA, that is our international or that is our national weightlifting body. And then the international weightlifting body would be the IWF that governs the entire world, all the different countries um, and their weightlifting federations. Weight classes are pretty similar here. Um, so the men's weight classes are going to be 55, 61, 67, 73, 81, 89, 96, 102, and 109, as well as 109 plus, so over 109. The women's weight classes, 45, 49, 55, 59, 64, 71, 76, 81, 87, and 87 plus. Much like the USAPL and the IPF, the IWF use a, uses a two-hour weigh-in process, so you need to be at your competition weight within two hours of stepping on the platform. The weigh-in process for USAW lasts one hour, meaning that you have an hour from when it starts to get to what your weight needs to be. You step on the scale, you're a little bit over, okay, well, you've still got an hour to kind of make some manipulations, go hit the sauna, whatever, run around, whatever it is, to get that last little bit of weight off. The IWF, so we have the international weight classes, those are all the same. So things like Pan Ams, any, basically any international competition that isn't the Olympics, the weight classes remain the same as they are in the USAW. Now when we transition over to the Olympics, there are less weight classes. So for men in the Olympics, there's a 61, 67, 73, 81, 96, 109 and 109 plus so if you are a man in between one of those weight classes maybe you're a little bit below you're a little bit above one of those weight classes but you don't want to be left out of the olympics there's some very important manipulations that you need to make to your your body weight and your nutrition to make sure that you can be at that body weight and qualify for the olympics the ultimate glory um, for women 49 55 64 76 87 and 87 plus the weigh-in process for the IWF is the same as the USAW. Now, when you watch things like the Olympics, you watch things like the World Championships, and you listen to the commentators as some of these weightlifters come out and they look like they're barely alive and they're missing attempts, they're missing opening attempts, you'll often hear the, weight, the, the announcers actually comment on the effect of the weight cut. So much like powerlifting, there's a performance consideration to weightlifting. You can't show up on game day half dead. You still need to be able to perform at your specific weight class. So the larger the magnitude of that weight cut, the greater the risk is that you will uh, perform below your standard. But if we're talking about in-season meat prep nutritional strategies, again, we start with as always, our needs analysis. What's our current body weight? What's our current body fat? 
where are we now and where do we need to be on that date of next competition? How much time is in between those two numbers? Can we actually make that happen? Can we actually make that happen? Depends a lot on the individual's current training, nutrition, and physical activity. Can we make large enough changes to one or all of those to get the weight to move the direction that we need it to in the rate that we need it to move in? Most training, again, occurs from anywhere from 2 to 10% over your weight class. Closer to 10% or even greater than 10% over your weight class, it just gets riskier and riskier as you start that cutting process. Now again, starting with the end in mind, we start with that ending body weight before the water cut, of course. So we take the starting body or ending body weight minus that starting body weight, divide that by the weeks out, and we have weekly rate loss or weekly rate of loss. Sorry, it's a tongue twister. Uh, so plan on one to three percent body weight loss from water. Well, wait, hold on. Why is it one to three percent when it was one to five percent for powerlifting? Because the five percent, remember, the over three percent was going to be for the 24-hour weigh-in folks, the folks that have a significantly longer period of time to actually recover and rehydrate before stepping on competition. Weightlifting is two-hour weigh-in. Local meet, national meet, international. Olympics, it's always that two-hour weigh-in. So we like to say, for our weightlifters, one to three percent from water, and we should be good. Again, just like powerlifting, you want to factor in the size of the competition. Is it your first time ever doing a weightlifting meet? Probably shouldn't worry about doing a water cut unless you are very, very close. If it's the Olympics, you best believe we're going to be using some of these strategies. The macronutrient programming is the same as powerlifting. We set the starting numbers based off of how much do we have to lose, how much of that are we losing per week, that sets our calorie number, and then we do our protein, carbs, and fat from there. Making your changes. If you need to go fast, you might need to make weekly changes just to make sure that you're hitting that rate of loss that you need. If you have a little bit longer, you can be a little bit more patient. Make bi-weekly or once every three week changes just so that you're not creating such a large change to the system that it's affecting training. Uh, monitoring progress, keep an eye on the scale weight. Again, scale weight being our one of our most important things. Got to be that weight. If you're not that weight on game day, you do not compete. And then performance and training quality as well. The small details are the same as powerlifting. Supplements, we recommend the same ones. Creatine, whey protein, multivitamin, fish oil, etc. Nutrient timing. As the calories get lower, as the carbohydrates start to get a little bit lower, it's smart to put those around in the pre and post workout window. Keep an eye on recovery. Make sure that there is some sort of nutritional periodization here. Harder training days, more voluminous training days, maybe higher calories on those. Off days, lower volume days, reduce the caloric intake on those days. It only makes sense. Keep an eye on quality of life as well. Don't make the diet more miserable than it needs to be. Now, when we get into peaking and water cutting, I won't just completely reiterate the strategies that we talked about from powerlifting because a lot of them are the exact same. We're trying to accomplish the same thing here. A large magnitude change in body weight by manipulating carbohydrates, electrolytes, water, food weight, supplements, and sauna. All of that occurring in that one week leading up to competition. So the changes that you're going to make are almost identical. 
The only deviations or the only differences that you're going to see between the two are going to depend on the magnitude of the loss, so how much water actually needs to be dropped, and then of course making your, your reconstitution strategies match up with that two-hour weigh-in. So go a couple slides back and just match up with what it says for the two-hour weigh-in. It's going to be the same process. Meat day nutrition is going to be all about managing the above variables and again just harken back or you know rewind the video a little bit to where it had the two hour weigh in kind of pre weigh in and post weigh in recommendations. We follow the same recommendations. Now getting into the off season for weightlifting you'll see that it's a lot of the same here so start with that needs analysis current body weight current body fat is there room for growth are we working with a junior athlete who you know as they move through puberty they're obviously going to be gaining weight gaining muscle mass we want to support that with the appropriate nutrition are we dealing with a master's athlete are we dealing with a senior athlete you know who's very close to that lower weigh-in or that lower weight class maybe they need to go up a weight class to you know qualify at the olympics Olympics. It's a it's a Maddie Rogers situation where we need to make off-season nutritional strategy changes to get her up to that weight class so that we can get her to Tokyo. There's a lot of considerations that go in here in playing kind of the weight class game to make sure that you're on the biggest stage possible at the Olympics when you need to be. So make your changes based on are you going up? Are you going down? Do you usually compete here? Well, you know, we're trying to qualify for nationals here. So we're, what are we doing to drop your weight down to, you know, move up that qualifying total or make sure that you can hit the appropriate qualifying total? Taking a look at current training, nutrition, physical activity levels, modifying nutrition accordingly. And then, of course, staying in that 2 to 10% range. It's a lot of the same as what we were talking about with powerlifting. It comes to your macronutrient programming. Look at bullet point two above. Where are we headed? Are we going up? Are we going down? Do we need to be in a deficit? Do we need to be in a surplus? When's the next competition? And that is going to dictate how big or how small the surplus or deficit actually are. Just keep an eye on training quality. If you have an athlete who, you know, trains their absolute best at 12% over their weight class, anything below that, you know, they're consistently missing cleans consistently getting buried by squats etc might be a good idea to have the conversation of maybe we should go up a weight class or you know you just make the appropriate modifications during the dieting period to get the body weight where it needs to be but we have to look at training quality first no improvements are made if we can't train at our best abilities Managing the smaller details as well. So again, if you're trying to gain some weight, some, some special supplements, you can go with the uh, the Mark Ripito, drinking a gallon of whole milk a day. Um, not really a supplement, but a, a special strategy there. Getting the calories in if you know you're you are that hard gainer. Uh, nutrient timing. So weightlifting, a little bit different than powerlifting, uses kind of a multiple times a day or can use a multiple times a day training session. So, you know, moving your calories, your carbohydrates around to the before and after windows if you are training multiple times a day, which obviously will assist with recovery, just making sure that you're getting enough protein, enough carbohydrate to support your training. Fats have to be where they have to be. Um, I believe the ISSN's position stand statement there is that for athletes, percentage of calories from fat shouldn't drop below 15%. So we are dealing with athletes here. So if you are kind of flirting with that 15% range for total calories, just know that it can impact things like recovery and quality of life. 
you're going up a weight class, just like with powerlifting, if you're gaining a little bit too quick, you know, you're making coach mad and you're gaining a pound a week, two pounds a week when you should be gaining half a pound a week, just understand that you may have to use some mini cuts along the way so that body fat doesn't get out of control or body weight doesn't get out of control. And by the time it comes your next in in season period or your meat prep period, uh, period, we're not trying to lose too much weight. All right, guys, that is our powerlifting and weightlifting nutritional considerations to manipulate body weight. I hope you guys learned something. As always, drop a comment, like, subscribe, all that nonsense. If you want to see anything else or you have any questions, you know, just drop them below or you can reach out to me directly at the underscore squat father or at gifted performance on Instagram. Next time around, we are going to be talking CrossFit all things multiple training sessions per day massive calorie intakes gymnast talking about gymnastics and weight classes and all that so definitely come back for that one if you didn't watch the bodybuilding one watch that one as well i'll see you on the next one stay gifted